revealed to us in Christ. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This righteousness is given, not earned. It is given freely by his grace to those who have the faith of Jesus, who have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the next chapter of Romans, chapter 4, tells of the great sort of hero of faith, Abraham, who God credited righteous because of his faith, because his hands were held out to receive this gift that is not earned but is given freely through Jesus. Uh, nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away our sins. Nothing else can, but the blood of Jesus can. And if we receive it by faith, has and will wash our sins away for us. Uh, our, our great God, we uh, do, Father, we thank you for the reminder of our sinfulness before you. We do pray that we will take that seriously and we will reckon with that. We pray that we will not turn away from that, but Lord, that that will drive us ever more to the foot of the cross. We thank you, Father, for Jesus. We thank you for the wonderful gift of righteousness through him. We thank you that nothing can wash away our sin but the blood of Jesus. And we thank you that for us that is a precious flow that makes us white as snow. Father, may we cling to that cross all our days. And we pray that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. Um, we're eating in just a moment. Um, but uh, if you need to jump up and grab something to keep you going, feel free to do that. So it's a uh, you know, pretty relaxed time. There's, there is food at the back. If you need to get a refill, please do. Uh, but we'll have a kind of proper break for food um, soon. What we're going to do now, though, is uh, just open up for a few uh, reflections, I guess, from me uh, members from our church family who've kind of been with us for all or parts of this journey through Romans 1 to 8. Um, I might ask Alex, mate, if you could, are you able to start us off with uh, some thoughts of, of yours? If you're able to, uh, happy to come up the front uh, for us. After Alex has shared a couple of thoughts of his own reflections from God's Word, um, if anyone else has something that I'd like to share, maybe a way in which uh, Romans, particularly Romans 1 to 4, but um, anything, any of the other parts of Romans we've looked at as well. Uh, Feel free to come up and share that with the, your church family here as well. So, but I'll hand it over to you, Alex. Thanks, mate. Thanks a lot, Duncan. It's very, um, it's a privilege to be able to make a few comments. Just a few very brief comments. One of the things that came through to me has already been covered: the the sinfulness of man and the wrath of God. And and this was not bypassed in the sermons. Uh, it it could have been, but it wasn't. And as difficult as it might be to face these things, uh, it's very necessary that we see it as God does. And that was brought out well in the preaching. So we thank the Lord for that. 
and you, Duncan, and as a result, the grace of God was highlighted all the more. And that was brought out in that little picture there of the diamonds against the black backdrop. Um, sometimes as I walk down, Cheryl and I might go for a walk at night and we see the stars against the black night sky. If it's a clear night, uh, they stand out all the more. And it's like that, it came through to me again that the grace of God is highlighted all the more because we are told quite plainly of the sinfulness of mankind and the wrath of God upon that. And the grace was shown in God giving his only son to bear that sin and that wrath on the cross. And, and that was explained clearly and the power of God came through that afresh to me. So that we can see God is a just God and also he has now justified those who trust in Jesus. So that was uh, something I'd like to sh share today and I... Thank you for the opportunity to do it. Really appreciate hearing your thoughts. Thanks, Amanda. Uh, it wasn't perhaps the first section of Romans, but, but toward, towards the end, um, on one Sunday, it was the illustration of the question, really, that we were asked. If you look around you, who is good enough? Who would God favour most? Who would God love, God love most if he looked around? And then he, he then said, well, let's rethink that. If Jesus were among us, would he love Jesus most? And the answer to that, most of us would think, well, yes. But what was so beautiful was actually that even if Jesus were with us now, God would not love Jesus any more than he loves each one of us. And it's not that he loves us because we have turned our lives to him and given ourselves to him and acknowledged that Jesus is our saviour. It's not that that makes God love us any more. And it's not the works we've done and nothing we can do could ever make God love us any more or any less. The reality is that God loves us now and since the moment we were conceived and even thought of in him and he decided to create us, he loved us fully, completely without reservation and that came home to me it is something that's lived with me since I became a Christian but the thought that he doesn't love Jesus any more than me was something that was brought home even more and very briefly the reason one of the reasons I gave my life to Christ was that before I knew him, before I knew God loved me that much, I didn't like me. I wasn't a kind person, and I was somebody I didn't like, and that caused me to be quite ill. And it wasn't until God showed me 
that he loved me regardless of who I was or what I did or how I felt about myself, that he loved me. And how could I hate myself if somebody who created me loved me that much and found no fault? And through the death of Jesus Christ, I was saved and I stood on a rock that said nothing can take that away from me. So I gave my heart to the Lord and he changed my life. So amen and his love is beautiful. I mean, thank you, Amanda. You just see the way in which all of these wonderful realities are not just theories, but actually transform lives. So thank you for that testimony of the way in which the gospel has brought real and lasting change to your life. All right. Well, thank you for sharing those things, guys. Really, uh, it is really great. And as we uh, grow as a church family, love for each other, it's, it's so good to hear those ways in which God has shaped us by his word. Uh, in a moment, Steve's going to come up and, and uh, share something uh, about, uh, that we uh, heard back in Romans chapter 5 about Adam and Christ. Um, but just sort of to briefly put us back into the frame of where we're up to, um, we've seen what God has done in Jesus to overcome the darkness of our sin, uh, to overcome uh, the reality of his judgment through his saving grace, uh, and how that by faith alone we receive God's gift to us. So if you remember, when we looked, when we started chapter 5, chapter 5 to 8 sort of is another uh, shift in what Paul's trying to, trying to say to us, what God is saying to us through his apostle Paul. Uh, chapter 5 shifts a little bit. Uh, it's, and if you remember the image we looked at back then, it's like Paul goes through the, looking, through the gospel looking glass, kind of opens the door to the world that the gospel opens up for us. Um, uh, the way, uh, the, what life looks like now that we have been justified by faith. Uh, one of the first big things he sets up is this really important distinction between Adam and Christ, uh, these two great human families. So I'm just going to hand over to Steve. He's going to show us a little bit about that. Thanks, mate. Yeah, g'day, everyone. Um, so back in, uh, when we looked at Romans 5, we, um, we met these couple of blokes. You may remember them. Um, so we met these, these guys, and um, it's actually a, a really important thing that Paul wants us to understand, that um, the history of the world uh, really um, can, c- comes down to these two men, very significant uh, men, real men uh, in history. So our first man, of course, we met him. Uh, he's Adam. He's, he's the very first man of all, of course. He's um, our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. And so we're all descended from him. And Adam, well, Adam, he didn't do so well as, uh, as a representative man. He sinned and disobeyed God. So we give him a big cross. We did this as a kid's talk, if you remember. Uh, and so Adam was disobedient to God, which was uh, really quite tragic because um, what, that, uh, what Paul tells us, this is how sin came into the world through one man's disobedience, uh, which is really tragic. Um, and uh, what Paul wants us to know is that because we're all descended from Adam, uh, we are actually all sinners too in, in this family of Adam. Uh, we're sinners because he sinned and of course we we sin ourselves as well. Um, it's really quite tragic. The whole story of human history is the story 
of, uh, of this family of Adam, plunged into sin, guilty before God, uh, all of us, because we are in Adam. And uh, this leads, actually we've got the wrong figure, but that's okay, we'll manage. Um, the end point of sin is death, uh, which is where we're all headed, and that is, that is God's um, uh, verdict on all of mankind. Um, sin leads to death. And so that's, that's Adam. But the good news, of course, that is the, that's not such good news. That's sad news for all of us. Uh, but the good news is, of course, as we heard, that uh, the second man, a new head of a new family. Uh, wow, that was quick. You're amazing. I'm going to grab my bits here. When God sent his own son, Jesus, into the world. Uh, and Jesus, well, he was perfectly, perfectly obedient uh, to God, to his Father, and so we give him a big tick, and here, here, he is obedient. Uh, this is wonderful, wonderful news, because in Jesus, God is creating a whole new humanity, a new creation, and, uh, but Jesus had, he did no wrong whatsoever, he is innocent, and uh, he is righteous. And we looked in, in Romans at this great gift. The gift of God is righteousness. And so when, as we learn, when we come to trust and believe in Jesus uh, as our King and as our Saviour who died in our place, we are righteous too before God. We are innocent. It's as if we are perfectly obedient, not because we are, but because Jesus was. Uh, and that is good news. And the end, of course, result of that is life. Eternal life. In fact, Jesus is the life, isn't he? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is the good news. That is brilliant. And that is the reality that Paul wants us to know about ourselves. We are no longer defined by our experience, our sinfulness, our, which we continue to struggle in. Um, we are defined by who we are in Jesus. That is brilliant uh, if you are a believer in Christ. Um, but I'm going to jump into Romans 6 because... Um, this is what we looked at in Romans 5, our identity. But this makes a very big difference in how we live. And that's what Paul talked about in Romans 6. He wants us to know that um, here we go. Jesus, this union we have with Jesus, because Jesus died in our place, he took, um, he took death for us. He took our sin on himself and died. And if we are united to Christ... Well, Jesus, he also raised from the dead. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And that this is our reality. Our connection with Jesus didn't stop at his death. He was raised. And he was raised to a new life. A new life. Um, and is dead to sin. Uh, he died, we've heard it before. He died to sin. He, he never, he'll never, sorry, he, he who, I'm just trying to think of the verse. Um, he, he died, he raised again, he'll never die again. And that is true for us. We are dead to sin and we are alive to God in Jesus. And so this has a massive effect on how we live our lives. And Paul wanted us, remember that um, Duncan really emphasised, the very first thing we heard that we're supposed to do in Romans was in Romans 6, uh, 11, I think it's 12, 11, 12, 13? Uh, 11, um, 12, 13, 14, something like that. Uh, Paul says to consider ourselves, reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is 
um, something we learnt that is so important that our daily experience, we have to reckon that this is true for us, not this. This might be our experience often. This is our reality because we are trusting in Jesus in our place. And so we are dead to sin. We're dead to its penalty. We're dead to its power. It no longer has dominion over us and rule over us. We are alive to God and we reign with Christ. And that is uh, the glorious reality of Romans 5 and 6. So good to be reminded of that. Thanks, Steve. It is good to be reminded of that. We're going to continue to kind of remember those great truths. Uh, with a re- We're going to read Romans 6, 1 to 14. I think Jacob's going to read. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. <clears throat> we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised in Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we, did, if we died with Christ, we believe that we, will also, we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Thanks, Jacob. We see there, don't we, the way in which grace actually transforms in a, in a far richer and deeper way than the law ever could. It brings us an, into this new identity, this new reality, uh, and it means that we can not let sin reign in our mortal bodies uh, so that we obey the, its evil desires, but we can count ourselves as we truly are in Christ, as Steve reminded us. Amen. We're almost finished this... Uh, overview of these great chapters of Romans. Um, In a moment we're going to read all of chapter 8 together. Romans chapter 8 really is one of those uh, real high points of uh, the whole Bible as Paul just overflows uh, with the reality of what God has done in Jesus. We'll have three different people we'll read in in sort of three chunks but we'll kind of hear it all together as really a way to wrap up our time together. There'll be a few other things after that. Uh, but uh, before we get to Romans 8, we did, if you remember, we did um, uh, read this uh, really powerful, a bit, a bit of a, uh, uh, when we looked at it, if you remember, we talked about how it's a bit controversial. There's uh, different thoughts about how this chapter works together. Uh, chapter 7, uh, what we ended up, um, what, we, what we saw as we went through there is Paul really, if you see in your handout there, that diagram, that should be familiar to most of us. 
um, which I think is a really helpful way of uh, uh, getting to grips with what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 7 about this real struggle in the Christian life. Uh, the reality of our sinfulness, about life. Well, what Paul's been saying all along is you, your identity is now in Christ. It really is in Christ. You are now in the realm of the Spirit. Uh, but we still exist in this flesh, life uh, the, in the realm of the flesh. We still, it, it, our flesh sort of still clings to us, and until the day that we die or Jesus returns, we will still have this struggle with uh, sinfulness in the Christian life. And we saw how that was really a helpful thing in order to, to understand and to recognize uh, that when you're struggling with sin, um, uh, that's, not, uh, that's actually a sign that God's Spirit is at work in you. Uh, the, 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 when, remember we said the, the moment to get uh, worried is when you stop getting worried. You know, the moment to uh, get concerned is when you stop getting concerned. Uh, your struggle with sin is real. Uh, and we will continue in it until the Lord returns, until we ourselves die. Um, but it is a sign of God's grace at work in us that we do that. Um, uh, more to say there, but well, I think what we'll do is just jump straight to Romans 8 and hear this wonderful passage read out. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope 
that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who, are, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of son, to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for good, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution Famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, not anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for those readings, friends. This is God's word to us.